Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, open up to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. We continue our study through the Old Testament. And do you remember how in chapter 2, Joshua chapter 2, there was the recon team who went out, two-man team. Uh, uh, they go out and they spy out the land. They go on a recon mission, which could have gone a little bit better. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you listen to those prior studies through the book of Joshua. And if you're listening for the first time, might as well start in Leviticus or go back all the way through uh, uh, Exodus and get yourself caught up and listen to these studies. Very important to understand these Old Testament examples. Remember how Paul says these things were written for our admonition uh, to teach us and show us. And so we're in Joshua chapter 6. We're in chapter 6. But before we start in verse 1, let's look at verse 21. In verse 21, Joshua chapter 6, verse 21, let's look what happens here. It says in verse 21, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Now, that's hardcore. That's hardcore. What's happening here in verse 21 is this is the, the end of Jericho. You see, it's the end of Jericho. And notice here what we see in verse 21, that the city was utterly destroyed, but then also both man and woman, young and old ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Very sobering. Very, very sobering. And this is precisely what judgment is. And, you know, sometimes when I have conversations with people, it's like, wow, you know, God is so mean. And But this is a time of Judgment for Jericho. Look at all the prior opportunities that Jericho residents had to deny Jericho and align themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at all the prior opportunities. Every single day, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night. Wake up in the morning, go to bed at night. And all these opportunities for 40 years to deny Jericho, the ways, the customs, the gods, to deny those ways and align themselves to the Lord. You see? And remember the Lord, remember our study in Deuteronomy 9 when the Lord says, listen, he says, it's not because you're awesome. It's because of the wickedness of these people. You see? And understand too This is a different Israel. This isn't Israel in the first generation or the first generation out of Egypt. This is second generation of people who have learned in the wilderness about aligning themselves to the Lord. You see, because when they came out of uh, 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 Exodus or when they came out uh, uh, in the Exodus, when they came out of Egypt, you know, there was belief in the Lord, which itself had to be jump-started. But then at the same time, in bondage for all those years, hundreds of years to be in bondage and learn and know the ways of Egypt. And then for them in themselves to align themselves with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to align themselves with the Lord. You see, this Israel that is, uh, uh, that is taking Jericho, this Israel 
it's an Old Testament example of victory in obedience, but victory without hypocrisy. You see, because when Israel didn't align themselves to the Lord, you see, there was that 40 years. Remember who they feared. They, they feared Canaan instead of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this is a different Israel. And in their form of hypocrisy by disobedience, and in their form of hypocrisy, they were unable not just to pass through the promised land. I mean, there was that, of course, but at the same time, victory. And now you see this moment of victory in Joshua chapter 6, this moment of fulfillment, passage into the promised land, which is beautiful. But we must understand and see that this is a different Israel, you see. And, you know, when we look at this moment of judgment that comes upon Jericho, we must also understand that judgment is coming upon this world. And, you know, you could look at that, you know, when I have these conversations with, you know, mostly non-believers and sometimes it's the liberal Christians too, where, you know, they believe in Jesus Christ, but there's not alignment to Jesus Christ in terms of understanding the Old Testament and New Testament. It's like, well, I believe in Jesus Christ, but, you know, they like cherry pick, you know, well, I don't like this, so I'm not going to do that. I don't like this. And I think this and I, listen, you can come to Jesus Christ without a, with any preconceived notion about anything you could you know be like a hardcore liberal you could be a hardcore buddhist you know catholic you could be mormon you could be you know agnostic you could be anything but when you believe in Jesus Christ and know nothing about the word of god you must also understand not just the importance of yielding to the word of God. Yes, it's important. But do it. Yield to the word of God. Not just understanding, okay, yeah, it's important. No, do it. Not to be a hearer of the word only, but to be a doer. Because you can have preconceived notions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, Buddha, Mary, you know, uh, uh, the occult, Ouija boards, you know, uh, abortion, politics, whatever it is. You have all these preconceived notions about everything. But when you purpose in your heart, not just, well, yeah, it's important to yield to the word of God, but like, no, straight up, I am yielding myself to the word of God. The Lord will teach you. You see, remember, the word of God is spiritually discerned. The Lord will teach you through his word, by his word, and by his power, and by his spirit. He will show you, and you know, you could be like, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, but you know, I, I have my former ways of Buddha, sex, alcohol, the occult, Mary, the Krishnas, whatever. But then, when we align ourselves to the word of the Lord and yield to him and his word, he changes us. That's part of the transformation, a renewing of our minds. And then all of a sudden, in the course of time, you're going to come across like a major discovery that the Lord has cleaned house in your heart and in your mind. 
I remember times when, you know, I was a young Christian. I knew nothing about the Lord. And I would read passages of scripture and it was like a knife in my heart. I would read it like, ooh, like I don't like this at all. It was like a knife. But now I read it and it's like, wow, it's like no big deal. I mean, it's it's a big deal, but I mean, no big deal in terms of like a knife. You see? And that's what happens when the Lord changes a person. Male, female, young, old, I don't care. And when you put into practice yielding to him, you know, something else is going to happen. You're going to experience victory upon victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. You'll experience it. Because the battle is his. When you are his. But when you come at the Bible like a book of suggestions, well, I believe in Jesus Christ, but, you know, I also like my sex and I do my Buddha from time to time. I do the Ouija boards from time to time. I go to the casino. I go to the strippers. You know, you will not have victory. Straight up, you will not have victory. But I believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, but don't forget what Brother James says. Brother James says, you know, you, you, you even the demons believe. You see, even the demons believe. They don't obey him. You see? It's very important to understand the truth of Scripture. And not just understand the truth of Scripture, because knowledge is a gift of the Spirit, remember? We studied that in our Corinthian letters, our our studies through 1 Corinthians. Knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. But then at the same time, understand that as you and me together, as we deny self, as we deny and, and carry our crosses and reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead, the Lord changes us. That's a big problem in the church today. Because you see Christians, Christians, I mean, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But I'm talking about inside the church. You look inside the church and you can look at the world. You look inside the church. You look at the world. You look inside the church. You look at the world. You look inside the church and you see nothing different. It's a big problem. When there's no difference. And when there's no difference, you know what there also is? No victory. No victory. And here we have an example of victory. I mean, we have victory, but I meant like an example for us. This is a different Israel. It's not the same Israel. This is Israel who has second generation. We could arguably say learn their lesson. But remember, very important leadership matters because this is Israel under Joshua and the elders. And in this moment of time, under that leadership, it's beautiful. It is safe in the camp of Israel. Sadly, I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but when we get into the book of Judges, when Joshua dies and the elders die, you know what else happens is obedience dies too. The people start accepting these other gods. They turn apostate. It's sad. But you have this moment in time where it's it's beautiful. You have victory. 
And praise be to the Lord because it's the Lord himself who put these means by which Israel can be clean before the Lord. The law. With blood, don't forget. The law was given three times. The Ten Commandments given three times. But the last one, the, the two tablets that are in the ark, not without sacrifice, not without blood. An Old Testament example of the, the lamb without blemish, the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, this is a moment of judgment for Jericho. Judgment has come to Jericho. And don't forget, judgment is coming to this world. Just as Jericho had 40 years. I mean, we're kind of spoiled now because we've had 2,000 years. You see? But at the same time, this door of grace and mercy, it's still open. Not as wide as it was 2,000 years ago, but it's still open. And if you're listening and you're not a Christian or you're listening and you're wishy-washy Christian, you're, you know, like Laodicea, one foot in the world, one foot in the church, lukewarm, not good. If you're a non-believer, you're non-Christian or you're wishy-washy Christian, hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ and you commit your life to Christ right here, right now. Sometimes people, oh, you shouldn't have gone to, we should have started at verse 1. We should have started at verse 1. But we have to understand, this is a moment of judgment for Jericho. And not just a moment of judgment for Jericho. Very specific what the Lord puts in place. Very specific instructions, blueprints that the Lord puts in place. Of course, we've had prior blueprints, which we've studied. Emphasizing the importance of blueprints and formula and instruction of the Lord. And not just that, but to hear and do, to obey the Lord. But then at the same time, when we see these this war footing of Israel, understand that there's still blueprints in play. And that's where we get into verse 1. Let's start in verse 1 now. Very specific blueprints. We see in Chapter 6, Joshua, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. So remember, this is what we looked at in verse 21. That was like, okay, judgment. That's judgment. But then there's the building blocks, the, the, the steps that to get to this moment of judgment. And that's where we're at. It's like a week prior. Time of judgment. You see, the time to get right with God was yesterday. I mean, this is like, you know, the time to get right with God was like a week prior, two weeks prior, three weeks, like three years prior, 10 years prior, 20 years prior. And now it's too late. Too late. You see, remember the example we gave last week where, you know, we had like, you know, uh, 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 I forgot what cities we used, but like, you know, Riverside and 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 bell and then uh, like santa monica I, I forgot what cities we use but you know they, like in southern california you see like you know la county you know you have like you know well there's riverside county but you have like you know riverside and then uh 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 uh, uh bell and then santa monica this is like you know riverside you know judgment is coming you know uh from the east this is you know jericho's like that riverside example 
You see, it's very important to understand. You know, it's it's beautiful when, you know, as New Covenant believers, we study these very passages. But as New Covenant believers and understanding prophetic events, it's like, wow, there's a lot of parallels here. There's a lot of parallels here. <clears throat> because now we're a week prior. And so look what happens here. That Jericho in verse 1, they're securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out. None went out. None went out and none came in. You see, we get a little picture of what's happening outside the camp. You see, Israel, you know, they're on on the east side. Uh, but then at the same time, to understand that we get this picture of what's happening in Jericho, like they're shut up, they're secure. It's like, you know, they're also in a war footing, but, you know, it, it's more in a defensive posture. And so we see this. Now let's look inside the camp. And in verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Remember our study in chapter 1, where the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I mean, in chapter 1, verse 5, the Lord says to Joshua that no man can stand before you. And in Joshua himself, if you remember our study in chapter 1, we looked at prior passages, you know, years prior, the makeup of Joshua, his obedience to the Lord, not in Joshua 1, there was obedience there, but we went to prior chapters, years before, when Joshua was obedient to the Lord, you see? And here we see fulfillment of the very thing that the Lord promised to Joshua. No man can stand before you. Even this king of Jericho, he can't stand before you, Joshua. The Lord says, I'm with you. Be strong. Be, be courageous. Don't be afraid. I am with you. That's what the Lord says to Joshua. And it kind of pained me in our study in chapter 1 because it's like, I don't like referring to verses as, you know, magnet verses, you know, poster verses. I don't like referring to scripture in that manner. I, I don't like it. But I say it to help us, all of us, to help us understand the, the dangers and the woes of treating the Bible as a mere poster or treating verses as mere poster verses. Because, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. It's like, okay, you know, yes, there are promises that the Lord says, I am with you. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. But when you look at Joshua, it's like, wow, he made his choice long, much prior than Joshua chapter one. He made his choice way before. And sometimes people, we get this idea in our head, well, you know, God is with me. Who can be against me? Oh, wow. I'm going to go do my crack, go do my drugs, go do my alcohol. I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. It's like, wait, hold on a second. We can't cherry pick verses. I mean, people do it. But I speak to the remnant. I'm called to teach the living. Do not cherry pick verses. Ones that 
you know, appeal to your carnal nature. Don't do that. Yes, the Lord says, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. And in the course of time, you see in Joshua, victory after victory after victory after victory. Little victories at first. And now you see like the big victory. What we read in verse 21, we kind of went ahead a little bit. Judgment on Jericho. And when, when, when you hear me say judgment on Jericho, it's not like, ah, ha, ha, you know, you're doomed, Jericho. Ha, ha, ha. Remember the Lord. The Lord says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's what the Lord says. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Therefore, turn and live. He is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Sometimes Christians get into... They put themselves in very negative light, and it pains me. Because, oh, ha, 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 the, you know, judgment, especially when it comes into pre-tribulation. Because sometimes I, you know, listen to the pre-tribulation people, or you know, we have these discussions on certain forums, certain formats, certain through the ether. Oh, I can't wait for God to judge these people. I can't wait for God. It's like, wait a second, hold on. When judgment came to Jericho, Remember in Deuteronomy 9, the Lord doesn't say, well, you know, it's because you're awesome that you're going to inherit this. It's because you're awesome you're going to pass into this land. It's because you're so cool, you're so awesome. No, the Lord doesn't say that. He says, you're a vessel that I'm going to use as judgment on these nations because of their wickedness. No, first generation Israel... They couldn't be vessels of the Lord in terms of vessels of the Lord when he judges. They couldn't be that first generation because they weren't aligned with the Lord. And in that 40 years in the wilderness, they learned to obey the Lord. And in obeying the Lord, no hypocrisy, which, you know, in itself, the Lord chastises, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And you see, during that 40 years, there's a lot of chastisement, even judgment too, even wrath. A lot of lessons to be learned in that 40 years. And so we see here, this is a different Israel led by Joshua. Joshua was like a a, a steadfast in the prior books. You see his steadfast nature, his stand before the Lord and how the Lord was with them and how he didn't fear the Canaanites, him and Caleb. And so now we're at the moment of fulfillment, not just entry into the promised land, but now God is judging Jericho, but he's using his vessels. Remember, like, you know, the Lord can clean house. The Lord can absolutely clean house. We see how the Lord cleans house with Egypt. But how does the Lord clean house with Jericho? He still does it, but he uses Israel. You see? Now, when Israel is without hypocrisy and they are aligned to the Lord, look look at victory upon victory upon victory. The Lord uses them as his vessels. But then what happens when the Lord is forgotten and the people turn their back on the Lord and they become apostate? 
all of a sudden, they're no longer vessels of the Lord. All of a sudden, they get judged. They get, they, they, they get chastised. They get judged. Remember what the Lord says of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the leader of the Babylonians, the oppressors of Israel. The Lord says of Nebuchadnezzar, he is my servant. Whoa. You see, I mean, much better it would be for uh, of Israel for the Lord to say, they are my servant. Israel, they are my people. They are my servants. You see? And in some passages, the Lord says, you are my people and I am your God. But then later on, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's like, well, wait a second. What happened? Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. Remember in our study in Deuteronomy where the Lord says, you know, I will not forsake you. But in the same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord is reactionary. And so when the Lord is, you know, in fulfillment of the promise to to Joshua, in verse 2, the Lord is saying, listen, this king of Jericho, Jericho's in your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Fulfillment. Fulfillment. Chapter 1, the Lord is saying to Joshua, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. But then here you see fulfillment of the very thing. You know, Joshua can see Jericho and the Lord is saying, listen, you like Jericho, it's yours. It's, it's in your hand. It's king. It's mighty men of valor. Listen in, in verse three. He says, now notice very specific instructions in war, rules of engagement, Old Testament and New Testament, very, very specific blueprints that the Lord gives us in his word, very specific blueprints. And in these blueprints, the Lord says here in verse three, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. Now, understand here, A lot of times people, you know, it's like, well, you know, God is for us. God is for us. But we must remember that the first first census of Israel in our study in Numbers, that there were men who were able to go to war. Now of that first census, they're dead. They disqualified themselves through disobedience. And in disobedience, the Lord responded to their disobedience. You see? And these are Old Testament examples of truths for us today. There's no victory through disobedience. No victory through disobedience. Victory only comes through obedience. You see? And if the formula is wrong, don't expect victory. It's very important. Very important. Because sometimes people confuse. It's like, well, you know, oh, I'm under spiritual attack. I'm under spiritual attack. Okay, I get it. 
But then if the formula is wrong in the heart, in a mind, and then, oh, I'm under spiritual attack, and then the next day it's like a good day, and they figure, well, I have victory, I have victory. And then the very next day after that, all of a sudden, it's like the, the attack intensifies. And it's like, oh, no, what happened? I thought God answered my prayers. It's like, wait a second, let's pause here. Let's just stop. We have to understand formula. And when formula is understood, now you and me together, we're in the same boat. We have to align ourselves with the truth of God's holy word. You see, that's how it works. That's precisely, that's exactly how it works. Old Testament, New Testament. You see? And in these blueprints of warfare, look what he says. He says in verse 3, You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you, this you shall do six days. You know, it's very interesting what we see here. Because, you know, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord. And absolutely the battle belongs to the Lord. But when the battle belongs to the Lord, which is all the time, the question is, like, who do we belong to? If the battle belongs to the Lord, you and me, we better belong to Him. You see? According to His Word. Oh, the battle belongs to the Lord, and oh, yeah, we're going to have victory, and we want to make sure we're going to have victory, so let's go grave soaking. No, 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 no. It doesn't work. It's in accordance to His Word. You see? And you see, when the formula is right in a person, you see it's beautiful. But when the formula is right in mass, that's awesome. That's like, you know, like, like a fellowship. That's like when you get into like, remember Ephesians, our study in Philippians. It's like, wow, you know, you look at all these problems in Corinth, but you don't see that in Ephesians. You look at all these problems in Galatia, but you don't see that in Philippians. Why? They had good teachers, good pastors. You see, to teach and to explain. And not just to teach and explain, but also to govern, keeping God's house clean. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, you see like, wow, there's Joshua and, you know, there's Moses, there's Caleb. But then when you have Israel who are under these leaders, it's beautiful. But the same thing for the church. Look at Corinth under, under the defunct pastors and the mess that ensued. But look at when the Lord cleans house using vessel Chloe and vessel Paul and the Lord cleans house. And among the remnant, you have the formula right in mass. As they learn once again. You see, these are Christians in, in, in 1 Corinthians. Christians who should have known. But there was a, a period, three years of arrested development. They were babies and they stayed babies. And so now there was like a, you know, the, 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 the Paul wrote a letter in spite of the spirit. Wrote a letter and says to the remnant. To the remnant. Not en masse like everybody. Because remember there was separation. And to the remnant, they had to learn and align themselves to the Lord. You see? 
moving forward and growing and maturing in Christ, becoming, moving on to perfection. And that's when we, we get into like Ephesians and Philippians. And you don't see the carnality that you see in Corinth. You don't see that carnality that you see in Galatia. We have to understand. So in these blueprints that the Lord is giving, he says you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days in verse 4. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets. Very interesting what we see here because, you know, this is like kind of like the final week of Jericho. Judgment is coming. And already we see seven priests and seven trumpets. Does that sound familiar when we see Revelation 8 with seven angels and seven trumpets? You see, when, when the formula is right, you know, God's word, he teaches us through his word. But when the formula is right, God also teaches and reveals through witness. I mean, in verse 2, not to suggest heresy, but like in verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now, what if, not to suggest heresy, but what if Joshua just took that and ran with it? Oh, you know, verse 1, the Lord says that I'm with you. Don't be afraid and, you know, be strong and courageous. And I'm strong and courageous. I'm not afraid. I fear the Lord. And here in verse 2, the Lord says that Jericho is in our hand. He's given the king, the mighty men of valor. It's ours. So everybody, let's attack. You see? And not to suggest heresy, if that would have happened. But to only point that through obedience, when the Lord is giving these specific blueprints, through obedience, I mean, if, if Joshua did that, where, you know, verse two, you, you know, like verse two says, you know, I've given Jericho into your hand, it's king and the mighty men of valor. And if Jer and if, and if Joshua is just like straight up, okay, attack. And Jericho falls and they, 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 they win the fight and there's victory. Look at how we wouldn't see parallels with this final week of Jericho. We wouldn't see parallels with seven priests and seven trumpets with the, the last seven years of world history, the 70th week of Daniel, with seven trumpets and seven angels. We wouldn't see these parallels. We wouldn't see these examples. You see? But through obedience, when the Lord is giving these very specific blueprints, and Joshua is following these very specific blueprints, and in so doing, we have something else to be learned and something else to be understood. Because we can read the book of Joshua, read the book of Revelation, and be like, wow, this sounds very familiar. We could read prophecies and be like, wow, this kind of reminds me of Joshua chapter 6. Wow, this reminds me of Revelation 8. Wow, this, you see, because through obedience, the Lord reveals more and more and more of himself. 
Now, we have the luxury of the full counsel of the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, but also understand, you know, time period-wise, for the people of the end to look back and be like, wow, this is an Old Testament example of this, and this is an Old Testament example of this, and you see, all of that comes through obedience. But when the formula is wrong, and not to suggest heresy by suggesting that, you know, what if Joshua did this? But I'm just making a point. Had Joshua just says, okay, let's attack now. And to learn through witness becomes impossible. You see? To learn through witness becomes impossible. You know why? Oftentimes, if not all the time, hypocrisy. That's why, you know, sometimes pastors, they stand at the pulpit and they teach how people ought to live. But they don't do it themselves. You see, the Pharisees did the exact same thing. And Jesus says, you know, they say this, but he, Jesus says to the people, do not live like they live. Do not, they're whitewashed tombs. You see, and that's what happens with hypocrisy. And I specifically pinpoint pastors. Because supposedly, they're the leaders. But you have to choose your leader wisely. Because pastors compromise themselves. A lot of pastors like to tell you how to live godly lives when they themselves are ungodly. They're compromised. You see? Very specific formulas. Very specific, multiple formulas. Very specific formula for pastors. Very specific formula for sheep. Sheep can become pastors. Pastors can become sheep again. But don't forget, pastors, the shepherds, they can become wolves also. Very specific formula. Here with Joshua as leader, it is safe for Israel. But we're going to get into books in due time. We're getting into books where it's like, wow, you know, Israel under Jeroboam. Whoa, you know, this isn't good. Israel under Jeroboam, not good. Israel under Josiah, okay, beautiful. Leadership matters. Don't just follow a guy who has a title, pastor. Don't just, sub- I mean, you know, if you listen to our studies on Sundays, you know, there's very specific emphasis on understanding formulas as written in the word of God, because, you know, the Bible says, you know, you know, uh, uh, submit to your pastor. But there's not a lot of men you can do that with. You see? And here we see 
in the obedience of Joshua, there are lessons to be learned through his obedience, of course, but then at the same time, the promises of God, and at the same time, in addition to that, you have these blueprints, which are a shadow of the things to come, and how the Lord uses these very, very similar contexts, this this last, this final week of Jericho. We're in the final week of Jericho. And we have seven priests, seven trumpets. Which would have been an impossible example had Joshua not been obedient. You see? And how the Lord can teach through his vessels when the formula is right in the vessels and the Lord can teach through witness. That's big. I mean, have you ever seen been with Christians? And it's like, you know, you're with Christian guy. I mean, uh, for my brothers who are listening, you're with Christian guys, a group of guys. And you're talking, you know, everybody's speaking Christianese. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And then a female walks by and everybody stops and looks at the female. Eyes up and down. It's like, what's happening? Carnality is exposed. You see? It's like, wow, there's a disconnect. And then to talk to a brother and say, hey, brother, that's not good. You know, why are you checking her out? Why are you looking at her? That's how you used to be when you were in the world. That's the old you. That's not the new you. Well, apparently it's still the old you because, okay, now something else was revealed because you haven't reckoned the old man dead because you're behaving as though you're carnal. And then it's, oh, you can look, but don't touch. I'm just admiring her beauty, her beauty over here, her beauty over there. I'm just admiring that. You know, look, but don't touch. Foolishness. Foolishness. You see? Or to be with men's like a men's group. And similar guy, the leader. That get that he's, I'm doing my air quotes. Oh, he's the leader. He's the leader. Everybody, you know, all the men submit to him because he's a godly man and he's going to teach us how to be men of God and all these things. And it's, you see these little red flags. Wow, he's really, he's really, you know, checking that lady out. He's really looking at that lady. He's really looking at this lady over here. He's really, what's going on? What's up? Time goes by, he leaves his wife. You see? Time goes by, he's with another lady. See? Compromised. Compromised. And you know, these exhortations, oh, you know, he's the men's leader, you gotta submit to him, submit yourself to him because he's gonna show you how to be godly, he's gonna show you, it's like, wait a second, you look at the red flags, I don't wanna submit to that. It's not just a matter of I don't wanna submit to that, it's the Bible that says, do not submit to that because he's compromised. It's hardcore. I know it's hardcore. You know, I give the example for men, but ladies are the same way. I think, me personally, you know, everybody says, oh, men are pigs, men are pigs. Me personally, I think women are bigger pigs. No offense, sisters. <laughs> no offense at all. I love you, but I, you know, in my experience, women are bigger pigs. Just in my experience. 
maybe, you know, it might not be the same for everybody, but in my experience, I think women are bigger pigs. I can explain why, but we'll, we'll you know, I better not. But, you know, you could be in a women's group. And the exact same thing speaks Christianese. The ladies speak like this, you know, God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. Everybody speaks Christianese. And then all of a sudden they start talking about a guy. They start talking about this guy. They start talking about that guy. They start, the conversations go south and it's like, well, what's happening? And everybody says, oh, submit to this lady. Oh, she's a godly lady. Submit to this lady. And it's like, wait a second. I don't want to submit to that. She's crazy. She's compromised. Look, she's talking about these guys like they're, you know, objects. She's talking about this and she's talking about, you know, going on, you know, ladies night and going get, get, get getting some drinks and all these things. It's like, what in the world? And it's not a matter of I don't want to submit to this lady. I mean, I'm speaking over from the lady's perspective, but it's not a matter of like I don't want to submit to this lady. It's a matter of the Bible that says, don't you dare submit to that lady. Why? Because the formula is wrong in her. Just like the guy. The formula is wrong in him. You see, it's very beautiful, very holy, very godly to submit yourself to ministry leaders, pastors. But it's also deadly if you submit yourself to the wrong one. <laughs> you see? It's also deadly if you submit to the wrong one. It's not just a blanket statement, submit to a pastor. The formula's got to be right in the pastor. You see? Oh, but the Bible says I have to, you know, be submissive to those who rule over me. And yes, I'm going to do that. And I think that's as the pastor relationship in uh, Hebrews 13. But the Bible says, yes, absolutely. The Bible says 100%. The Bible says it. But nowhere in the Bible will you see the exhortation to be stupid. You'll see the opposite, the exhortation to be wise. See, and through obedience, now we learn these, their truths, I want to say deeper truths, but they've always, they've always been there. I, you know, a part of me wants to say deeper truths, and in a sense, prophetically speaking, I could understand, you know, looking at this final week of Jericho and seeing the seven priests and seven trumpets and it's like wow you know it's a deeper truth it's a deeper truth and part of me wants to say that but it's like wait, wait hold on a second it's always it's always been there it's a truth yes it's a shadow of things to come yes but at the same time it's like it's always been there you see And that's all I'm trying to say. The formula is right in Joshua. His obedience isn't starting in Joshua 6. His obedience didn't start in Joshua 1. His obedience started many moons ago. You see? And now look. Now the Lord is saying to him, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. 
And so let's look what happens here in verse 4. The seven priests, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And then we see here in verse 5, It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, which is remember the the this the uh uh what we see here on, on uh uh with the the seventh day and we see here that all the people shall shout with a great shout now <laughs> we just it just so happens that we recently finished our study in the Thessalonian letters but does this ring a bell as well i mean we have the final week of jericho and already we've seen seven priests, seven trumpets. And then now we see this the, the sound of the trumpet in verse 5, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Does that sound familiar? With trumpet and shout from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. You see, when the Lord gives blueprints, for a future benefit, a future advantage, but future benefactors. Do you remember when the Lord was giving blueprints to Moses in our study in Exodus, when Moses is on the mountain, he's in the cloud, and Joshua, his assistant, is outside the cloud. But both of them undefiled Everybody else defiled, but both of them, only two, undefiled. And the Lord gave Moses very specific blueprints for a future benefit, future advantage, future benefactors. Now, that sounds like, well, it sounds like a product, like what, what the Lord gives us. I don't like using the word, you know, benefit, advantage, and benefactors. I don't like using those words. But I use these words to help us understand that it's for a future purpose. And the purpose is atonement. For people to be right with the Lord. Because now the, what happens, remember our study in Exodus? Moses comes out of the cloud. He's got... Two tablets with them. Walks a little bit. Sees Joshua. Okay, Joshua, let's go back to the camp. They go back to the camp. They start, you know, descending the hill. And what they should have seen was uh, Aaron and the elders. Where are they? They're not here. Okay, let's keep going down. You know, I don't know what happened, but they're not here. They keep going down. And they see all kinds of disgusting, you know, orgies, sexual things, nakedness. Remember, we studied this is a very difficult passage. They see the golden calf. They see worship of the golden calf. And they see Israel is defiled with the exception of two. Israel is defiled. You see? Now, the very blueprints that the Lord gave to Moses when he was in the cloud in 
encapsulates and has the instructions for people, this defiled people, to be right in the eyes of the Lord once again. You see, Moses was in the cloud on, you know, in sponge mode. He was receiving, receiving, receiving. And then now he's in the camp of Israel. Israel is defiled. And these very specific blueprints, holy. It's the means for people to be cleaned up again. I mean, Aaron, who caused Israel to be defiled through constructing the golden calf, and he even lied about it. No, I just took this golden, you know, I threw it in the fire and this calf came out. No, he lied about it. He fashioned it. And you look at the sin of Aaron, it's like, oh my goodness, what have you done, Aaron? And then you keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. And what do you see? Aaron is high priest. Restoration once again. Just like we see here. These very specific blueprints that the Lord is giving to Joshua. I mean, this is like, you know, like rules of engagement. This is like the rules of like the, the battle plan. And look at how it also shows something else that the Lord is explaining for a future generation, the last day's generation, when we look at this last week of Jericho. When you look at the parallels of prophetic verses, last day's prophecy, the book of Revelation. Studies that we've had in the Thessalonian letters. Citing prophecies for the last days. You see? It's powerful. Very powerful. Also interesting to note is that this sound of the trumpet is on the seventh day. Not at the beginning or not before. <laughs> you see? And when the people shout here in verse 5, when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the, of the city will fall down flat. You see? According to the strategy of men, this is foolishness no disrespect to the lord but i say i can't emphasize it enough according to the strategy of men i mean if you were to talk with generals say you were to have you know a, a, a couple generals standing beside joshua and joshua says okay generals you know we're tasked with taking jericho you know what the generals would say you know, strategize, okay, we're going to be, you know, have some guys here at this flank, have these guys, you know, in the rear, have these guys at this flank, you know, uh, make sure you have all these fields of fire, uh, breach point over here, breach point over here, you know, we're going to have some snipers up here and snipers over here and, you know, we're going to put mortar men over here, we're going to do, all, you know, the battle strategy and they might come up with a brilliant strategy. 
And they might, the strategy might be so brilliant that they win, they take Jericho and they're victorious. But it will be carnal. You see, it will be carnal. Who gets the glory? Oh, General, that was a brilliant plan. You did great. Or, wow, thank you, Lord. Look at what you have done by your hand, Lord. Look at what you have done. And we praise you. We worship you. You see, no generals. It's the Lord. You see? Remember in verse 1, you have the, the Jericho, they're secure in their walls. I mean, the generals would say, okay, priests, you step aside. We'll, we'll take care of this. You priests, step aside. You know, that you have no business on the battlefield. What does the Lord say? <laughs> the priests are the point men. The priests are the tip of the spear. Okay, if the priests are the tip of the spear, we better have them armed. No. Trumpets. What? The battle strategy, according to man, would look completely different than this battle strategy, according to the Lord. You see? And the walls will fall. The walls do fall. But here in verse 5, the Lord is saying to Joshua, when these things happen, when you're obedient and you do this, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. In verse 5, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Very specific blueprints for victory. Now we see in you know, the, God has been speaking to Joshua. Now Joshua takes the message to the people. We see in verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, notice that this victory, we looked at verse 21, and we see victory. I mean, does that mean it's like, wow, Joshua is such a great Strategists, oh look, we, we, we won the fight and he's such a great strategist. But when you get an inside peek of what's really happening, it's like nothing really fancy at all. He's just obedient. And I don't say he's just obedient, like, oh, it's just obedience, no big deal. No, I mean, he's just obedient in terms of that's it. You see, I mean, this is this is a war footing of Israel, a different Israel, second generation Israel. And not only that, you see victory in warfare, but victory can apply to anything. Victory, I mean, this is like, you know, warfare, but, you know, victory in marriage, victory in, you know, uh, Whatever, you know, whatever it is that you face, which, you know, is an aspect of warfare in itself. I mean, you know, people battling with, uh, uh, you know, uh, sex, drugs, and alcohol. You know, when we get into addictions, 
that's treated in an entirely different way. Remember our study in uh, a, a, a little bit mentioned in Colossians, but then also in Second Thessalonians when we look at addictions. Not good. Paul says, you know, the, the, with those with addictions, it's like, you know, don't say they're not brothers, don't say they're not sisters, but also don't have fellowship with them. Now, if you have addictions and you come to the Lord, you know, praise be to the Lord. The Lord changing. We have a renewing of our minds through obedience of mind. There's a change that happens. And that happens when you reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead, you recognize, okay, that's who I used to be in Christ. I used to do the crack, the sex, the alcohol, the Buddha, the Mary, the, 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 the Ouija boards, the gambling. That's old nature, BC days before Christ. But in Christ, no more. You see? Oh, but I'm addicted to sex. I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to gambling. I'm addicted to... It's like, okay, okay. Listen, you're still my brother. You're still my sister. But, you know, three years arrested development. You were a gambler when you came to the Lord. You were a sex head when you came to the Lord. You were a crackhead when you came to the Lord. And you haven't denied those things. You haven't reckoned the old man dead. Listen, you're still my brother. You're still my sister. But I can't hang out with you anymore. I'm going to pray for you, but I can't hang out with you anymore. Because I can't bear your burdens. I want, I'm going to pray for you and I want to bear these burdens, but through your addictions, you have proven that you're not carrying your cross. You have not reckoned the old man dead. You have not reckoned the old woman dead. You see? And then people say, oh, you're so mean, you're so mean. It's like, wait a second. The person is forcing your hand. It's not your fault. You are reactionary. You are responding to their obedience or responding to their disobedience. You see? Because remember our our study in Colossians, we have the guilt trippers. Very popular today, the guilt trippers who have no wisdom. You see? You ever see the guilt trippers? It's like, wow, you know, they lead with their heart. They don't, you know, remember it's heart. Don't every, the body can't survive without the heart, but the body can't survive without the brain. And if you follow your heart, the Bible says, don't follow your heart. You're in trouble if you follow your heart. Then you see people, Christians, Christians. Oh, I just have faith that God is going to work this out. I have faith. I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to take this step of faith here. I'm going to take this step of faith there. I'm going to take this step. They they speak Christianese around foolishness. Utter, complete, and total foolishness. And they like to speak Christianese around certain issues. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, pray over this. And, you know, I have faith that God is going to do this. And, you know, if God is for me, who can be against me? So I'm going to go ahead and do this. You know, a year later, ruin destruction. Why? Because they were stupid. Foolishness. We have to be wise. We have to be wise. Where is wisdom in these last days? It comes from the Word of God. A gift of the Spirit. 
Where is it? And because you, you don't see the gifts of the Spirit today like you see the gifts of the Spirit in the book of Acts. As an excuse, people say, well, that's because the Holy Spirit, that was for that dispensation. It's not for today. But what, instead of saying what's really happening, it's because of carnality in the church today. It's not to say that the Holy Spirit has changed. You know what's changed? The people. God never changes. It's the people who have changed. The church today is not like you see in the book of Acts. It's a different church. The church today is not like what you see in the book of Philippians or Ephesus. The church today is more like 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. Chapter 3, 4, 5. Even worse. But the Bible says judgment comes first to the church. You see? Sometimes people get mad at me. All, oh, I don't like how you say this about pastors. I don't like how you say this against the church. I don't like how you say they're godly men. These are godly people. Okay, listen, I get it. You call this you call this guy a godly man? Yes, he's a godly man. Look, he's pastor. Okay. Let's have a little Bible study of what the Bible says is a godly man and a godly pastor. Let's look into Look at this verse over here. Look at this verse over here. Here, here, here. Okay, read this. Okay, you got it? Yeah, I got it. Does that align with this very guy that you point to? Oh, that's beside the point. That was 2,000 years ago. Beside the point? Now let's do the same with the church. Does... What the Bible describes as episunagage, what the Bible describes describes as ecclesia, hagios. Do you see alignment with the church today? Oh, that's beside the point. Look, we're called to love. We're called to love absolutely 100%. We're called to be loving, called to be gracious, called to be merciful, called to be forgiving. But the Bible never calls a person to be stupid. You see, never. I mean, there is a form of stupidity which is called strong delusion. But that's judgment. That's a different category altogether. That's judgment. You see? When the formula is right, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful for... it. Like In this case, it's beautiful for Joshua. It's beautiful for the elders. It's beautiful for Israel. It's beautiful all around. I mean, it's not beautiful for Jericho, but, you know, it could have been, but they rejected the Lord, except for Rahab. Now, judgment is coming to Jericho. Judgment is, is like... Is like at Jericho. But it's the same in the last days. The exact same in the last days judgment is coming. 
God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Remember, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He's the one who says, therefore, turn and repent. Turn and live, he says. That's what he said. He never changes. And so we continue. In verse 6, Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let them who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. You see, remember, this is a different Israel. This is second generation. And, you know, this second generation of Israel, who have, they've been on the receiving end of chastisement. And this is a remnant of Israel. And when they hear Joshua give these instructions, they're not going crazy about it. You know, they're not like, you know, like, Okay, you know, Joshua, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take Jericho and uh, 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 why are you sending the priest now? And if you're going to send the priests, why aren't they armed? You see, they're on board fully and completely. They're on board. You see, this is a different Israel. These battle plans, they're not of this world. Remember the generals that... Any general, if you were to say, hey, general, take this town. Hey, general, take this. You know, a general probably wouldn't take a town. Maybe like a, a a captain, you know, for a town, you know, a captain or, you know, for a certain, you know, larger city region or a metropolis, probably, you know, like a colonel level. Well, you know, varies by branches. But a town, if you're a captain, you know, take this town, you know, the the... the the captain's battle strategy wouldn't be to send the clergy, you know, that wouldn't be included in the battle strategy to, you know, send the, cl the clergy. We're going to take these priests. No. But yet with the Lord, with the Lord, whose ways are not our ways with him. Priest, take point. Tip of the spear. Aboda, aboda, mishkan. You see? Now, if you're just like, what? What is that? Listen to our study of Leviticus. You'll understand more. And so we continue. We see um, in verse... Uh, Seven, and he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. Sometimes, you know, I have these pauses and just as I, I don't want to get off track, but just to explain, you know, I don't like the pauses, but sometimes, you know, we have to pause because, you know, like sometimes, you know, people say like, you know, can, can you speak louder or, you know, maybe you should have a microphone. Maybe you should have this, you know, whatever, but I don't like the microphones because, you know, they're like in my face. And I got to read my Bible. I got to look down at text and see my Bible. Or, you know, sometimes people say, well, I can't hear you this well. You know, maybe you can have the, the, the you know, uh, the microphone. But I have to see my Bible. I have to read the text. And so that's why, you know, like, like, like it's 
but then you know also you know sometimes it's like you know we, we start explaining and you know like like we like explaining like you know the tip of the spear that the priesthood abu dhabi mishkan you know and then i look down and, and i'm like okay I'm, I'm trying to find like where i was you know like okay where is it so that's the reason for these pauses you know because sometimes people say, you know can you speak a little bit faster can you can you teach can you not teach like this and you know sometimes i even pause because i have to take a drink because you know i like my throat hurts and so i have to take a drink of my hot tea and so i take a drink of my hot tea so sometimes you hear these pauses but that's a little explanation for these pauses i don't like to pause because i don't like to stop the flow but just as a little explanation of why these pauses are here and so verse seven he says to the people proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the lord now the hearing part that's done the hearing part is done now it's the doing part you see old testament example of don't be hearers of the word only but also be doers of the word because if a person is a hearer of the word only it opens the door for hypocrisy if you're a hearer of the word only it opens the door for hypocrisy see oh i know the bible says this so okay the bible says that oh look i'm so knowledgeable of the bible look i know the bible like the back of my hand i know the bible here i know the bible here oh don't talk to me like that because i went to bible college and i know the bible i went to seminary i know the bible genesis to revelation i know this i know this I, you know you have nothing on me because i know the bible i'm so awesome i know the bible okay that's greater judgment. It's greater judgment if you don't heed the Bible. Sometimes you see people, they get on their high horse. Oh, I know the Bible like the back of my hand. I know the Bible like this. I know this. Every little nook and cranny of the truth of God's word. I know it. I know it. I know it. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go visit the strippers. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go do the gambling. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go do the crack. I'm going to go do the Buddha. I'm going to go worship Mary. I'm going to go do the occult. But I know the Bible like the back of my hand. Not only is it wicked, but it is greater judgment. Why? Because the person knows. The person knows. Oh, I know the Bible here. I know the Bible there. I know everything about the Bible. Okay. To whom is given, much more is required. And if you don't obey what you say you know, if you don't obey, that's greater judgment. That's a longer list of disobedience. Because you could be a brand new believer, but... There's so many things that you don't know about. And sometimes I have these conversations with young Christians. They've been Christian for, you know, uh, freshly born, you know, uh, 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 born again in Christ. And they're kind of bummed out like, wow, you know, I don't know the Bible like this or I don't know the Bible like you do. And I don't know this. Like, well, uh, Comparison is the thief of joy. And look, need not compare. That's like, you know, a, a first grader who says, oh, I don't know how to do calculus. Or your kindergartner, I don't know how to do calculus. It's like, okay, well, you get, you know, preschooler, I don't know how to do calculus. And they're kind of bummed out. It's like, well, wait a second. You got, you got to learn how to finger paint first. 
You see? You got to learn how to finger paint. You got to learn how to the ABC, one, two, three. You got to learn one, one plus one and two plus two. And it's going to take time. And so if you're a new believer, don't get down on yourself. No, it's beautiful to be a new believer. But then as you're a new believer, you're going to learn one thing. In that, obey the Lord. And as a new believer, you're going to learn the second thing. And in that, obey the Lord. And new believer, you're going to learn a third thing. In that, obey the Lord. Now you have three points of obedience that you choose to do in honoring the Lord. You see? Just three. Praise be to the Lord. That's your obedience unto Him. You might have your preconceived notions about sex, drugs, and alcohol. And then all of a sudden you're going to hit point number four. And you know, like, you're going to learn like, oh my goodness, the Lord had, the Lord says that this, you know, this sexual activity, it's not good in His eyes. Oh, you know, this crack, it's not good in the eyes of the Lord. And all these things, you know, being, being rude and being mean, you know, and you know, that's not right before the Lord. It's like, Lord, forgive me. I repent before you. Now, look at what's happening. Look at all these points of obedience. You know, one, two, three, four, five. And it's like, wow, look at look at your list of obedience. It's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. Your name in the book of life and your list of obedience. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's holy. And sometimes these new believers, these young Christians who don't know the Bible like the back of their hand. And they get bummed out like, wow, I don't know the Bible like this guy who boasts that he knows the Bible. Okay, let's look at the boaster. He knows everything about the Bible. But look at the drugs. You see? Look at his marriage. Look at the alcohol. Look at the sex. Look at the casinos. Look at the Buddhas. You see, look at Mary. You see, look at the Krishnas. Look at the Ouija boards. He doesn't have a list of obedience that's accounted to him. He has a, a huge list of disobedience that is accounted unto him, not unto righteousness. A long list of disobedience which is accounted unto him for disobedience. Because he knows and doesn't do. You see? So if you're a young, my beautiful young brother or sister in Christ whom I love, don't be discouraged that you don't know the Bible well. You know enough of the Bible to believe in Jesus Christ. But from that point, we have to grow. We have to mature. We have to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. The Lord saved you from prostitution. Okay, prostitution no more. We got to get you a new line of work. The Lord saved you from alcoholism. Okay, praise be to the Lord. No more alcohol. The Lord saved you from crack. Okay, praise the Lord. No more crack. The old man is dead. The old woman is dead. We carry our crosses. You have you have problems carrying your cross? I'll help you. I have problems carrying my cross? You help me. You see, that's oneness. That's koinonia. That's ecclesia. That's episunagage. And when the formula is right, it is so beautiful to exercise these things within the camp of the church. 
within the camp, I'll say, of the remnant. Because within the camp of the church, when the formula is wrong, you get all kinds of mess. All kinds of mess. It's everywhere. But, thus fulfilling what the Lord says, that judgment comes first to the church, what the Spirit revealed to Brother Peter. But I'll also say this. When the formula is right in a congregation, pastors, elders, uh, the, the pew Christians, the believers, and the worship team, when the formula is right, Satan takes notice. Satan takes notice. You see, now we look at these, these areas of spiritual warfare that we study and we see it's the Lord gives very specific blueprints. You see? So now the people, they hear. The priests have heard. The men of war have heard. The people have heard. Now, okay, now we're going to do. We get into verse 8. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. You see, this is so beautiful because look at whose point. The generals, the, you know, the, the carnal generals, are like, well, Joshua, you're sending the priests? I mean, the objective is to take Jericho. The priests should stay home. The priests should, shouldn't even be on the battlefield. They have no business on the battlefield. That's what the generals would say. But the Lord, he says, no. The priests are on point. You see? Tip of the spear, the priest. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. Remember our study in Leviticus? And so the the priests, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord in verse 8, advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men in verse 9 went before the priest. Now, this trend, you say like, wait a second, I thought the priests were pointing. Now it says that the armed men went before the priest. Where this word for before is in the presence of the priest. Like if I'm standing before you. It's not like, you know, antecedents. It's like, you know, I'm standing in, in front of you. I'm standing, you know, in your presence. That's the Hebrew word that is used here in verse 9. It's like the armed men went, the armed men went before the priest. It's not like in terms of, uh, you know, uh, antecedents, uh, but it's in terms of, you know, in the presence of the priest. So you see in verse 9, the armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark. You see, central is the ark where is found the two tablets, the second set of two tablets. We see why the priests continued blowing the trumpets. In verse 10, now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth. So there's silence. Very major correlation to last day's prophecies, blueprints that the Lord gives, this silence that we see here. Now, remember, this is the battlefield. This is war footing. Now, this is very unconventional and carnally speaking. This battle plan that the Lord has given to Joshua, no, the, the, the smartest military general that could, you know, guarantee victory would develop a strategy like this. Priest on point, not with weapons, but with horns, 
and you're having these guys on point? It's obedience unto the Lord. You see? And it's the Lord who says priests are on point. But the formula's got to be right. With these priests, the formula is right. Just like we see pastors. Any pastor can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Any pastor can say that. They can say it. Follow me as I follow Christ. But for sheep to follow, it could be deadly. You see? A pastor says, follow me as I follow Christ. And oh, Christians can take the mark of the beast. They'll still be saved. To follow that guy, that's lake of fire. That's like damnation, hellfire, damnation, fire and brimstone. You see? Do not follow. Anybody can say, follow me as I follow Christ. But you have to look at the formula. Is it sound with the word of God? So Joshua is saying, okay, be silent. And then says here in verse 10, until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord circled the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Now, picture the guards and the watchmen of Jericho. You know, with their binoculars. I don't know if they had binoculars. Okay, they didn't have binoculars in those days. But say they had their binos. Like, you know, uh, sir, we see, you know, Israel, they're, they're outside. The people, they're outside our walls. And yes, we're safe in these walls. And uh, sir, you're not going to believe this, but these guys, seven guys, they look like priests. Uh, uh, sir, you're not going to believe this, but they don't have... They're not carrying weapons. They have trumpets. And they're just walking around. I mean, when you put yourselves in, in, in Jerrican's shoes, it's like, you know, this is like, what is happening here? These priests and trumpets and they walk around us and eh, it's not a threat. Let us eat, drink and be merry. You see? But it's already judgment. It's a time of judgment. And so we see in verse 12, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day, that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, 
when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Victory. Look what happens here in verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Remember the recon team from chapter 2, our study in chapter 2? And don't forget, in our in our study in chapter 2, we see something else. Rahab, she feared the Lord. And safety is with this Gentile woman inside her house. Beautiful. Beautiful for Rahab. She made her choice. Not so beautiful with everybody else because it's judgment. You see? Remember, Joshua is speaking to the people. Verse 18. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. You see? Now, remember that Jericho is not the camp of Israel. I can't emphasize this enough. Jericho is not Israel. I mean, that's kind of easy. Jericho is not Israel. But remember in our study in Deuteronomy and Numbers, a little bit in Leviticus, but we made the emphasis on influencers. When the Lord says to Israel through Moses, when he says, listen, you're going to go into these regions and these other peoples, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, they have their gods, they have their form of conduct, they have their culture. But don't be influenced by them. Because God says, you are my people. You are mine and I am yours. And Joshua is saying the exact same thing. Jericho has its own culture, its own gods, which are foreign to Israel. And he's saying in verse 18, listen, like, you know, in, in verse 17, the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it, except for Rahab. Rahab is safe and those who are with her. She hid the messengers that we sent, the recon team, and she feared the Lord. But in verse 18, there's this reminder. Abstain from the accursed things. Because, you know, we're going to go into Jericho. And they have things. You see, what is it that's accursed? What is it that it's accursed? Well, look at what they've learned in 40 years. You see, it's a different Israel. They know what's accursed. Because the law itself says, have no graven image, no God before me. They've learned during that 40 years. And Joshua, a little reminder, abstain from the accursed things lest you, be, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things. 
and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. You see, because if Jericho becomes the influencer with their accursed things, the person becomes accursed, but it doesn't end there. The camp becomes accursed. You see? In verse 18, you see? Jericho has its accursed things. And if they don't abstain from those accursed things, the person becomes accursed. But then he also says, when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse, all of a sudden Israel becomes defiled through these accursed things. Now, this is an Old Testament example of a New Testament truth. A truth that rings even truer today. Pastors, keep the house of God clean. No accursed thing. Because look how those things which are accursed. I mean, and I don't speak of inside the church carnally per se, literally per se, but there's that too. I'm talking about the temple. Inside your heart, inside your mind. Because what is accursed spreads and it's not good. I mean, you, you look at a congregation. Look at Corinth. They come, you know, the, 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 the mega church in Corinth. They come to church, they gather, they sing, they praise, they worship, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Everybody's speaking Christianese. And Paul says, hey, guys. You're rejoicing, which, you know, that sounds like a good thing. It's like, wow, look, Christians, they're gathering together. Oh, look, they're together. Oh, look, you know, the, 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 the fellowship of the saints is beautiful. Biblical truth, the fellowship of the saints, it's absolutely beautiful. But Paul says, in your fellowship and you rejoice together, but your rejoicing is not a good thing. Your glorying is not good, Corinth. Why? Because there's sin in the camp. See? Which, which must be eradicated. Now, I say eradicated, it's like, well, that's kind of radical. Well, yeah. I don't mean eradicated like, you know, like, you know, uh, anything carnal. Because... Paul says to the remnant, he says, okay, now separate from these people. Separate from the leaven. You see, pastors today, they refuse to keep God's house clean. They sow seeds of judgment to themselves, but they sow seeds of judgment to those who follow them. Pastors who won't teach 
the book of Revelation. They won't teach on last day's prophecies. You know why? Because if they did, people would leave. And I've had these conversations with so-called pastors. The you could say mega church, large church, you know, thousands and thousands of people. The pastor, he wants to do a little Bible study on last day's prophecies because he's going to do a series through the book of Revelation. And we're having this conversation, we're studying, referencing here, referencing there, prophecies here, prophecies there. And then he tells me, I can't teach this. I can't teach this. But you're, you're, you're doing a series in, in Revelation. Why can't you teach? And then he says, if I teach in this manner and teach like this, the people would leave. That's, listen, that's, that's a choice. If, if, a, if a person wants to claim the title of pastor, there's a biblical responsibility for the pastor. Don't expect the popularity contest. Don't expect to be Mr. Popular. You'll be Mr. Hated. No one will like you. And people will leave you. But you have to teach truth, Pastor. A lot of hirelings. They refuse to teach because they know that wow, if I teach like this, if I teach what this text says, the people will absolutely leave. Listen, if you're a pastor, that's not on you. If people leave, that's not on you. That's on them. But their blood isn't on you. Their blood is on them. You see? Now, if you're not a pastor and you're listening, you better make sure that the, the, the one who you submit to as teacher, as pastor, the one you submit to, you better make sure the formula's right in him. You see? Because anybody can say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Anybody can say it. And people say it. Paul said it, but the, look at the formula of Paul. It is absolutely safe, absolutely safe to follow Timothy because of the formula. You see, Himenaeus, no, not good. Do not follow Himenaeus. Remember our study in First Timothy two. Follow Himenaeus, not good. Look at how the camp of Israel can become accursed. It become it happens through the choice of an individual, which happens as a result of their own temptation to not abstain from the things accursed. I mean, inside the church today, 
you don't see a lot of abstaining. You don't see a lot of abstaining. You don't see a lot of self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. You don't see a lot of that. It pains me to say it, but I call it like I see it. But you see it among the remnant. And so let's continue in verse 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. You see, what's happening here is, yes, Israel. You know, you could look at it from one perspective, and a lot of people do. It's like, well, you know, look, Israel is amassing wealth. And I get it. You know, gold, silver, bronze, you know, precious metals. But let's not forget that in the future, there's going to be a built temple for Israel. That's when we get into like, you know, the kings and the chronicles. There's going to be a built temple which has a lot of precious metals, a lot of gold, a lot of silver. These are the things that the, the, the very things that uh, attracted uh, the enemies of Israel. I mean, the Romans, remember when the disciples say, oh, look how awesome the temple is. And the Lord, the Lord is like, you know, not one stone will be left on top of the other because what they did as part of their, their mortar that they used in the temple was gold. And so the Romans, they came and said, we want this gold. So they toppled the temple and they took the gold. And in part of the proceeds of the temple you know what they did from the destroyed temple 70 AD those proceeds they used to build the Colosseum I mean there's inscriptions on the Colosseum at the Colosseum that you know uh, 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 built from the uh, 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 built from the ruins of the temple I forgot the exact wording but it's like you know built from the uh, 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 the, the, the the temple of the Jews. There's inscriptions at the Colosseum because they wanted that gold. You see? And also this is a source of temptation for Israel. Gold and silver and bronze and iron. You know, I could use some iron. I could use some bronze. Oh, I could use some gold. I could use some silver. It's a source of temptation. So yes, Israel, they're going to have in these wars, they're going to have gold and silver. But in their future, there will be a temple. No longer a, the temporal tabernacle, but the more permanent Temple, like, you know, stone. Very interesting how we see the temporal to the fixed as new covenant believers when the Lord tabernacles with us. But then there's something more fixed in the future. And I speak of paradise. This gold and silver and bronze and iron, yes, it will be temptation. 
for Israel, for all the people, then it will be a source of temptation. But understand there's the ways of the world and there's the ways of the Lord. Every single one of us balls in our court. There's the ways of the world and there's the ways of the Lord. Choose. Choose wisely. We see in verse 20, so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. It's exactly as the Lord says. The wall fell down flat. What does that say of the generals? What does that say of the generals? Oh, you know, Joshua, you should have followed us. We could have came out with a a beautiful battle plan and you would have been victorious. And here there's victory. Except who gets the glory? The Lord. The generals? No. The Lord gets the glory. Just like we studied. It just so happens we studied on Sunday. Remember, you know, the the jailbreak. Develop a plan, you know, okay, at night, you know, at at this, you know, at at this hour in the night, we're going to break into here and there's this big guard over here. There's this big guard over here. This huge guy over here. There's, you know, 10 guards total at night. So so you, you take this, this is your field of fire. You take out this guy. You take out that guy. You take out this guy. And we're going to have this insertion team. We're going to go and uh, breach the jail cell and we're going to rescue Peter. And then we're going to, you know, exfil and we're going to meet over here, rally point over here and mission accomplished. Okay. But who gets the glory? Not the Lord. You see? And that's a huge problem in the church today with people fighting according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. You see? And then you have people who say, well, the the, the gifting of the spirit, the moving of the spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. That's not for this dispensation. Don't expect victory from them. Expect religion from them. But don't expect victory. You see? The Spirit won't work in them. Remember? Don't quench the Spirit. Which translates as don't extinguish the Spirit. We haven't even got... Like, we're in the last days, but we haven't even got to the, like, the down and dirty of the last days. We're like, we're like skipping on lily fields right now. And already lamps are burning out. Already. Oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. The spirit doesn't move like that. That was for another dispensation. Oh, look, I got my study Bible. And oh, yes, the pastor says, take the mark of the beast. I'll still be saved. So, yep. When the mark comes, I'm going to take it because, oh, the rapture is, is pre-tribulation. So if there's a mark that the, you know, this world leader says, put on your hand, put on your forehead, I'm going to go ahead and take it because the rapture hasn't happened. That means wait, we're still here. So the, the pre-tribulation rapture hasn't happened yet. So it's okay to take it. And once saved, always saved. So look, everything's good to go. You see how Satan works? You see how Satan works? You see how crafty he is? 
how he uses his vessels, his servants, who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. And what does he want to do? He wants to drag people to hell. And he's quite effective. But not with the remnant. Not with the remnant. Because the remnant knows. You see? You know what's interesting to see in these last days? You look at the church at large. And then you observe the remnant. The church at large, you see coalescing. But among the remnant, you see division. And I don't mean like, you know, like a like doctrinal division. I mean how Satan is separating the remnant. Isolating the remnant. But the church at large, cool, you know, unity, unity, unity. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but I mean, that's one aspect of, you know, like, you remember seven churches. You're seeing the coalescing of Laodicea. The coalescing of the seven churches, but in Philadelphia and Smyrna, you're seeing a breakup. Don't forget, Satan has his battle strategies and he's very effective. Very specific blueprints that the Lord gives to those who have ears. So look what happens here. In verse 20, the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. In verse 21, we'll read it again. And they utterly destroyed Jericho, all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Judgment for Jericho. You say, wait a second, the Lord is so mean, I thought he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of love. This door of mercy and grace and love and forgiveness, open door policy, it's been open for 40 years. You see? The time to decide was yesterday. The time to decide was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That was the time to decide. Now, too late. We see in verse 22, but Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the, the country. Now remember the recon team, the two men, the two men team, the recon team. He says to them, go into the harlot's house. And from there, bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. Bring her out. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought 
So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. So they're out of Jericho and they're next to Israel, the camp of Israel. Judgment is coming to Jericho. Rahab and those with her, safe. Safe from the judgment of the Lord. That the Lord, the judgment of the Lord through his vessels, Israel, second generation. You see, in verse 24, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. That's our study from chapter 2. And in her study in chapter 2, she feared the Lord. Then Joshua charged at that time, or translates as he made them take an oath at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn. Whoa. And with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. You see, it's judgment. Sometimes people tell me like, oh, I don't like these. I don't like the Old Testament because look, it's, it's too much wrath, too much judgment. And I don't like the Old Testament. But when you study the Old Testament, you see, yes, you see judgment. You see wrath. You see chastisement. You also see love, grace, mercy, long-suffering. And in understanding the nature and character of our Lord, the door of grace and mercy was open to Jericho. Open door policy. Open door policy. The Lord made himself known. Refusal to align to him? Okay, judgment. You see, we cannot. Is it because Israel's awesome? Oh, look, he's treating Israel with, he's giving. Remember, God has no respecter of persons. He doesn't care how young you are, how old you are. He doesn't care if you're rich, if you're poor. He doesn't care about any of that. He cares about your heart, the circumcision of your heart. You see, you could be 10 years old. You could be 100 years old. Male, female, I don't care. The store of grace and mercy and forgiveness, it was open for Jericho for 40 years. Today, it's been open for 2,000 years, give or take a couple years, but it's been open for a long time. It's not going to be open forever. You see, when God's wrath comes, and it's coming, as surely as he lives, it will be too late. It will be too late. If you're listening and you're not a believer, or you're listening and you're playing games with the Lord, commit your life to Jesus Christ. Let today be the day of salvation. 
and you listen to the message how to commit your life to Christ and you commit your life to him. And so we see here in verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Now, remember our study in chapter 3? When the Lord says, the Lord says to Joshua that I will begin to exalt you. Now, this isn't a pride thing. This isn't Joshua saying, oh, look, I'm going to be awesome and the Lord is exalting me and look how cool I am. No. The people know. Israel know. God is with him. You see? Victory has a very specific formula. Old Testament, New Testament, even today, victory has a very specific formula. Holiness unto the Lord. We're going to end our study here. Lord willing, pick up in chapter 7 next week. But to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.